Hey, Ignata listeners, I know it's been a long time. How are you? Um, I had a really busy few months where I threw myself into three jobs at once to, you know, distract myself from everything pandemic. I just didn't have the bandwidth to work on my passion project, um, the Ignatopod, when a lot of my paying work was podcasting. Um, anyways, I wanted to release this episode as a wrap up for season one. I'm so proud of how everything turned out. And I'm so humbled that you listened to all these chats we've had with awesome guests. Let's jump right into it. What people don't realize is how hard food businesses are. It's not made for everybody to do. It's, you know, you've got to have a very thick skin to make it in this business. I always thought about like dim sum as like a dinner thing. Why can't it be dinner? Like, why is it breakfast and lunch? And why am I always having to wake up early on Saturdays? Like, yes, why? You know, for me, like I've had plenty of failures, you know, like my first like bakery operation was a complete failure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've done restaurants with other partners that completely failed. You know, a lot of it is about creating a culture where we have people, um, team members that want to work for me. In the beginning, uh, people just coming back because they've been there and like, mm-hmm. you know, they went to school in New York, they went to law school, grad school, or, yeah. or like they were, they were in the arts. They were, you name it, like I heard it. And um, that really uh, kick-started the business. I think I got that like virtual like pat on the back Oh. From him, you know, like the the silent packet pat uh, pat on the back. Never the so, I'm proud um, of you or the I love. Yeah, you. no, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course not. Hey everyone, welcome to the Eggnana Podcast. I'm your host Amy Chan. I also produce and edit this podcast series. For this episode, I'm so excited to have Wilson Tang from Nomwa Tea Parlor with us. Wilson is an entrepreneur, and I'm just going to say it: food guy. Is that is that a good food term? Food guy. Yes, that's that's. <laughs> That's a perfect explanation for <laughs> for my for me. For you. Okay. So welcome to the podcast, Wilson. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Um, great to be here. Um, I love talking to people. So this is just another opportunity to do so. So your Uncle Wally bought the restaurant from the original owners and then you took it over. And so the place has a lot of history. Do you ever feel a sense of responsibility for keeping it going? I do. You know, for the longest time, I did have that, uh, that feeling. Um, but I've also been doing it 10 years and, uh, I think I've, uh, put in my time. Um, I think, um, you know, if I had a successor that that'll be cool. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to kind of share in the responsibility yeah. and, and just, or, or start grooming the next, um, gatekeeper of yeah. sorts, yeah. uh, which is what I consider myself just, you know, I'm just watching, watching over it, uh, uh-huh. during my time. But we've also kind of expanded the business to be, right. you know, multiple multiple locations, yep. and uh, so you know, it 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 would be great to keep it going. But you know, I also have like I don't also I also don't want to be doing this forever. It's it's definitely very taxing mm. uh, the restaurant business. So uh, we're figuring out. I, I think we're um, we're in a good place now. Um, it, it the pandemic really uh, showed us a lot of other um, possibilities, uh, you know, one of them being um, frozen delivery that, yeah. that that has been huge for us um, throughout the pandemic. And uh, we'll continue doing that, you know, and, and figuring out how to 
bring revenue into the to the restaurant uh, without outside of the restaurant experiences. Moving on to like family stuff and a little bit more about you, less about business. Yeah. Um, your parents immigrated in the 70s to the US and they first settled in Chinatown in New York City and then moved to Queens, which is where you grew up. Where is home for them and why do they move to the US? Um, you know, for my dad, it was just, it was opportunity. Um, he, he um, my, my uncle Wally was here already. Uh, my, um, my other uncle Fred was here um, and they just... Um, wanted more opportunity outside of um, out out of China, mm. um, and this is where they decided to come uh, to New York. So, uh, my dad dragged my mom along, and um, you know th- the rest is kind of history. Um, they 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 spent their early years, you know, as immigrants working the. You know, my dad had restaurants. Uh, he was doing um, food distribution. Mm. My mom was like a seamstress for a bit. Uh, but you know, she she had an education in Hong Kong, so like she somehow uh, ended up in banking, and uh, just took, uh, rode the ranks in 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 uh, banking for right. for a branch, and like uh, retired a couple of years ago as like a branch manager. Wow! Did they ever uh, scold you with the? You know, I used to walk two hours to get to school. <laughs> um, not so much like the walking to school stuff, but I, I think for me and also just a lot of other Asian Americans mm-hmm. is the, um, the component of um, living within your means and right. um, saving money and uh, not being wasteful, you know, making sure you turn off the lights when you're not in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think those are things that really stuck with me. Um, that is completely different from how, like millennials would 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 act, mm-hmm. or uh, even younger younger folks would act. So I'm I I feel really uh, blessed to have that kind of thought process as as you know being a first generation immigrant. Yeah. Um. But you know the just the value of of, of saving and uh, living within the me your means and just um. Yeah, not not being extravagant or, or, or too lavish, you know. Um, so you have two young kids, and I see from your IG stories that pre-COVID, you would drop them off at Chinese school. And you also yes. mentioned your own Chinese school experience. So tell me about that, because I feel like most second-gen kids hated Chinese school, but I loved it. I I definitely hated it. Um, <laughs> but But I, you know, I saw the importance of it, what, like, just, just to, you know, just in my time in Chinatown, like, you know, and even in the last 10 years right. uh, with Namwa, like how important it is to know the language, to recognize some characters mm. and not be a complete idiot uh, mm-hmm. towards my own culture. And I always, you know, wanted to ha- make sure I gave my children the same opportunities, regardless mm-hmm. of if they liked it or not. Yeah. And for the first couple of years, it was great. Uh, until like this past year, once mm-hmm. you go like remote and then remote like Chinese school, it 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 it, it wasn't happening. They they weren't into it at all. So you've said many times that you did the good Asian thing. You got good grades throughout school and then got a stable job in finance. Um, but that 9-11 happened. And at that time, you worked in the World Trade Center and thought, maybe there's more to life than swiping my badge every day. So tell me about what came next for you career-wise. You know, my dad was a, like a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he never really worked for somebody. 
even when he worked for somebody, it was part-time and he was like hustling two or three other side businesses. So I, I, I think just um, entrepreneurship was always in my DNA. You know, going to school, um, you know, following that path of your typical immigrant uh, mm-hmm. story, you know, like mm-hmm. they don't want you to work hard, go to school, get a white collar job. Stable, um, stable stability. Stable. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I, I, I did it and, you know, I proved to them, like, Hey, I got it done. <laughs> um, you know, they can't say like, Oh, what if, uh, you know, would have, could have, should have, you yeah. know, yeah. like, Hey, I did it. I don't like it. So I'm moving on. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think um, just hospitality and food service and entrepreneurship was just my calling. And, um, you know, 9-11 really um, exemplified that. Like it made it much more like clearer to me that I need to go do that because I, I did not like the, um, the office environment. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and, and so I did it. You know, I, I tried once at, a, at, a, at my own um, little coffee shop. It didn't, it, you know, it, it failed, mm-hmm. but it gave me like the experience um, for when, when Namwa came, I was ready for it. So, right. um, and I think the interesting thing is that uh, when I did it, you know, this is like 06, 07, it was still pre-internet, so quote unquote. Pre-social media. Was, yeah, pre-social media. And and I think it was it was a big deal then for like breaking out of the mold. But <laughs> yeah. I think these days it's quite normal. I mean I like think it's so too. I feel like I'm I might be embarking on my next career change, like right. not not doing restaurants, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. But like food manufacturing or like food production so right. that I'm not in a restaurant and I'm just making like frozen products, let's say, mm. you know. Well, yeah, I wanted to say, I mean, only child, prodigal son of immigrants to the American dream. And so, you know, you said your coffee shop didn't do well, and then you ended up just selling it. And when you wanted to take over Namwa, your dad was not happy. He's like, don't do it. I, I don't think it's going to work. Um, and I'm not sure about you, but I never want to disappoint my parents. You know, the weight of their disappointment is like death by a thousand paper cuts. So take me back to the moment when you're just like, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, I mean, it was a very simple decision for me. I was, I was, um, I think, 29 mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And, you know, the opportunity came and I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Like, I've got this one bullet left in the chamber. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of need to fire it. Or um, if I miss this opportunity, I don't know when I'm going to get another opportunity again. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was just so gung-ho on that. I'm like, I got to do it for myself. It's yeah. not for anyone else. Like, I don't kind of care what anyone else says. But like... If I do it and I fail, then, hey, I've got time to get a job, mm. you know, do the grind and, and figure things out. But I, I definitely didn't want to miss that opportunity um, again or mi- just miss an opportunity um, uh, at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was pissed, but um, I, I think I made the right decision. And, uh, <laughs> it all worked out in the end. It, it, it all worked out. And, yeah. you know, I think I got that, like, virtual, like, pat on the back Oh. From him, you know, like the the silent packet pat uh, pat on the back. Never the so, I'm proud um, of you or the I love. Yeah, you. no, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. They they feel proud. You know, there are a lot of listeners that are younger or maybe at that twenty nine thirty age, and they want to quit their job as well. And I, we, you know, we see a lot of successful Asian Americans, but I also like like to talk about people's failures because that's what leads them to success. What are some like? 
you know, lessons you've learned from failures that you want to pass on to people? I mean, it's a, when you're at a different age, it's a different perspective. I hope you f- fail often and fail hard. Um, mm. th- those are the only ways to like learn from your mistakes. It all depends on how you look at it. You know, for me, like I've had plenty of failures, you know, like my first like bakery operation was a complete failure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done restaurants w- with other partners that completely failed uh, because of a bad partnership or, or like we didn't, we, we weren't funded uh, correctly or like it was a bad location mm-hmm. and we had a messy breakup. And, but these are all points where you kind of learn from your mistakes. Yep. And honestly, like I, what I, I like to equate to is, um, it's like you're paying your tuition, you know, mm-hmm. like this is like the school of hard knocks, you know, it's like post postgraduate, uh, you're, you're paying for your experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, th- those, those experiences, uh, experiences are the, are the most valuable because you, you feel it, right. You feel that money leaving your, your, your checking account. <laughs> and, uh, it, for me, like it, it drives me to work harder. Yeah. And, uh, to learn from those mistakes and make sure like my next business venture, like the, like the, the numbers look better or the location is better or like the partners are better. You know, you have to fail um, yeah. because if you don't fail, you'll never know, um, you know, you don't know the t- what that tastes like and you're not able to grow from it. And t- you usually tend to not repeat mistakes when you've experienced it yourself. Well, I, I've definitely repeated mistakes, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, you know, but you know, by the third time, you, you should <laughs> you should definitely know like what the right decision should be. You know, we're we're constantly changing, and change is so inevitable. And like you know, for especially for our, like our younger um, employees or staff, like I rather them make an initiative and make a mistake, and then we can go over the mistake. And make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. Then yeah. to not do anything at all, like oh, yeah. I wasn't supposed to do that, or like oh, I'm too scared to do that. Like just do it. Like what's the worst that can happen? Yes, but there's that fear. That that's what I think a lot of people can't get over. It's like there's yeah. a fear between stability and like oh no, the unknown. And I think um, when you're older, you're just like there's only one life to live. Just do it. Yeah, that's why it's, it's important to like for for the younger generation to seek mentorship from yes, yes. Um, from people like me, and I and I, I love talking to people, and yeah. I love giving. Like I wouldn't give like advice off the bat, but I would give them my experience so like they can make a yeah. uh, they can make a more educated uh, decision. So I think the older generation who worked in the restaurant biz, they did it out of necessity. Um, You know, maybe they didn't have other opportunities. So it's, and it's so different for their kids. There are so many options and you pivot to this idea of scaling and growth um, instead of focusing on necessity. And you've done this with the Namwa sister locations in the US and China. And then you talked about the frozen food line. So talk to me about sort of using your business degree and you know, FMB, uh, and sort of you're giving your parents the, see, I told you it worked out. But I guess my question is also like, you know, for them, it's like doing this on a every day, like this is living in life. But for you, it's more about scaling. I can't even like take all the credit for it. You know, a lot of it is about creating a culture where we have people, um, team members that want to work for me. Right. And I, I think I just naturally had people gravitate towards wanting to work with me in the company. And that's really been a big 
uh, bonus for me, uh, being able to bring on young talent and having them stick around and actually drive, uh, get into the driver's seat and, and start mm-hmm. driving. And uh, I, I owe um, my, my team a lot, you know, their dedication, right. their um, hard working, uh, you know, even from like the old, old school guys to like, you know, the, 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 the people we plucked from, from culinary school. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but like, I, I, I think for me, if I had to pat myself under the back is this talent that I have of, of finding good people. Right. And I, 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 I owe my success to that. Um, just having a good team. Yeah. But I also owe, um, it's also like, because I, I was the recipient of um, a restaurant that had a lot of history already. Mm-hmm. And it was just right where social media started and right. like the Facebooks, the Instagrams and all of that. And it was just a perfect storm for me. Like right at 2010, 2011, <laughs> like it was a perfect storm. Well, honestly, like my first thought was, oh, this social media thing. Like, all right, Facebook page, I'm going to document the, the 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 reopening of Namwa because it was closed for a while mm-hmm. and like one thing leads to another like I I, I I remember this vividly like I I met this woman Gretchen who was like a a, a reporter at the New York uh, not New York Times the Daily News mm-hmm. and she's like oh I used to eat at this restaurant when I was a kid mm-hmm. and she's like oh when you do the reopening like let me know when it is like, we'll do like a story on it. Right. And it was through that one interaction that spiraled into like all these different media outlets, like in the first six months of opening. Wow. And because of the history of the restaurant that really catapulted our just reach, you know, people were reading, people, Oh shoot. I, I ate there yeah. before. Like when, yeah. when I was in grad school in New yeah. York in 1950 and I have like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of these stories yeah. in the beginning of people just coming back because they've been there and like, mm. you know, they went to school in New York, they went to law school, grad school, or, yeah. or like they were, they were in the arts. They were, you name it. Like I heard it. And um, that really uh, kickstarted the business. I mean, like I, I don't, take credit for you know trying to introduce dim sum to like <laughs> the american people but like i always have my ways of doing like how do i explain this i'm like oh well dim sum that's like that's like um you having tapas at a, uh-huh. a spanish restaurant and like yeah. it's small plates you know and like i always thought about like dim sum as like a dinner thing why can't it be dinner like why is it breakfast and lunch and why am i always having to wake up early at, on saturdays so, like yes why fight, yeah, why? Why do I have to fight the grannies you know why? for like it's the table? It's because it's cheaper in the morning. <laughs> right, right. But like, I was like, I can have this for dinner. Why am I like? Wh- yeah. Why is this a breakfast thing? And like, yeah. why do like dim sum places open for breakfast and lunch dim sum, and then it's at night it's like a banquet hall? You know, like I just yes. want to do the dim sum all day long. I right. want to. I want to use my finance degree and like figure out logistics and like totally. how to like maximize profits and like use the same like our menu is the same menu from the moment we open to the moment we close yeah so these are all the things that I, I just thought about and they were it wasn't like oh my god I'm so smart check out this idea I have it's just more like oh wait like I go to a Spanish restaurant you can have like pinchos or like just tapas 
and like you make you you go with a couple of people like you order a couple of things that's like dim sum and like you you get a bottle of why can't you have it with a bottle of wine that works well with pork and seafood yeah and i built i built in like a a a wine list and like a beer list yeah and like now like i'm like oh my god wilson tang just um reinvented dim sum but it was just more like how i wanted to eat it why do you think so many second gen immigrant like immigrant kids are now cooking their own food and have their own restaurants you know there's an explosion of that in toronto there's an explosion of that in um in new york but also la also i mean even taipei people are bringing like you know, Western style restaurants to Taipei. The hospitality business has grown to a point where, um, you know, opening restaurants is, it can be profitable mm. and it's, it, it's become normalized a little bit just because of like, you know, like the, the cooking channels and like the beat Bobby Flays and the iron, iron chefs. Um, like media has brought, uh, uh, restaurants into the spotlight and, and, uh, chefs are like celebrities now. They are. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that's definitely one component of it. Um, but you know, it, it's also, I, I see, I see it being negative also because Mm. now, now everyone thinks they can open a restaurant. Now everyone thinks, Yeah. yeah, everyone thinks like, oh, I um, if I have a good following, um, then then like restaurants can be so easy because I like, look at all these other people that are that are doing it. <laughs> yeah. And I I think for a while pre pandemic, like it was so blow. It's it's been blown. It's it's almost like the stock market and it it, it it's it's been inflated restaurants. You know, like, oh, everyone's opening restaurants now. Mm. Like you look at the retail, you look at uh, retail in New York. Like if it's not a restaurant, like what else can work for a retail space? You know, it's, it's not like, it can't be like fashion anymore because that's gone online. Right. So it's all like about food businesses and what people don't realize is how hard food businesses are. The operational side of it. Yeah. It's, it's a grind and like, it's not, it's not made for everybody to do. It's, you know, you've got to have a very, thick skin to make it in this business. Mm. And I, I I think what the pandemic did was it really kind of, this was the correction that New York needed. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, listen, I can be sad all day and yes, all these places are closing and yeah. like the restaurant industry is, is in a, in a bad situation. But to be honest with you, like a lot of people that are in the restaurant business shouldn't be in the re- restaurant business to begin with. Mm-hmm. because they saw the guy on beat Bobby Flay or like they saw the, the cooking channel chef mm-hmm. and they, they thought like, Oh, oh everyone could open a restaurant. And now it's like the correction. Like, you know, like if you look at the restaurants in New York, like a lot, a lot of them are closing and it's really sad, Yeah, but um, it, it, it actually makes it better for restaurants, restaurant tours that are real restaurant tours, because mm-hmm. like now the labor pool is, is, is self-correcting. Before it was like, you can't find anyone to work because everyone was opening restaurants and it really stretched out the, the labor pool. Interesting. But yeah. now it's like, okay, like, all right, there are people that are willing to work because there's a lot less opportunity. I, I don't think I, I, I actually answered your question. I kind of <laughs> like, this is like the 
the the the question of life, like art and money. How do you combine the the art of cooking with the art of business? And this is why people need a mentor like you. Yeah, yeah, it's super hard. Like you know, like you know, one a couple of weeks ago, like I was just watching my son on a Friday, and he's like doing his Zoom classes, and I I put on Instagram stories like, ask away any questions, and I I got. And this like is what over, I asked for you to be on the yeah. podcast. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. That's right. That's right. So like, yeah. I had hundreds of questions. Yeah. And one of the questions, which I still remember very distinctly was, oh, how do you get into the restaurant? Like, what do you do to yeah. get into the restaurant? And I'm like, don't do it. And I got so much feedback from that uh, and so many DMs and so many like um, follow-up questions I, that was like the the, the the number one question uh, through that whole, you know, 24 hours. It's like and, when people um, ask me, like, should I be a young journalist? I'm like, don't, don't be a young journalist. You're not going to make yeah, any money. You're not going to make any money. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be broke. You're going to be eating ramen. You're going to be broke. You're going to like question yourself. And like, it's funny, but like, I'm, I'm probably going to end up doing it forever. But I'm just saying to other people, like, don't, don't do yeah, it. I agree. I agree. Um, so you cook a lot of Chinese food at home. What is your best dish? We're always doing some sort of um, protein and and vegetable stir fry stir fry combo of sorts. Yeah. Kids love just like um, like chicken and broccoli, like beef with with. Uh, sometimes we do like bitter melon. They they kind of oh like God, the that. Kids like bitter. Yeah, melon. yeah. And um, have you tried the well, salted egg yolk and bigger? bigger yeah, melon? yeah, 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 yeah. It's, we, a, it's a very Taiwanese dish. It's, yeah, it's very Taiwanese. We we don't do that at home, but I, I've definitely tried it. But but the the kids um, they have a great um, appreciation for food, and yeah. I think it like we we really started that early. And um, you know we make very simple stuff at home. It's like you know there's there's always every week there's like a taco night, and it's always like ground chicken. Um, you know we'll have. Um, Peppers. We'll have you know all the all the uh, accoutrements uh, with mm. with taco, like a do-it-yourself taco. We, so we we do that at least once a night, uh, once a week. Um, but yeah, like just a lot of like wok stir fries. Uh, yes. We do a lot of fried rice. Where everyone's favorite is like uh, sticky rice with like Chinese sausage. So we mm. always have like some sort of uh, Chinese eight, you know, aged Chinese sausage at home. Yep. Uh, we have like a lot of like dried ingredients, like uh, dried baby shrimp that we put in the sticky rice. One of the things I enjoy doing a lot is just because I work in Chinatown is always just picking up something at, with the street vendors. So it can be like anywhere from like Chinese broccoli to bok choy to watercress. Yeah. So we, we definitely um, put in a component of vegetables. We, we actually do a lot of vegetables just because I, I feel like the kids on the weekends, they just eat a lot of junk. What's one ingredient that you would say for someone who's not familiar with like Chinese ingredients or who wants to get into Chinese cooking? What's like one ingredient you would suggest them to try? Ingredient, like a cooking ingredient? Like a cooking ingredient um, or a sauce? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's so so many, but like I, I think for us in our in our house is definitely soy sauce and oyster sauce. Mm. That's we we go we we go through bottles of that at home. Um, but um, yeah, like those are the two. Uh, but so and if I were to add a third, would be like just sesame oil. That mm. that sesame oil to me always. Uh, is a is a is a nice touch uh, yeah. to any, almost anything. Like you add a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, sesame oil. Like you know, yesterday we were um, making dumplings and mm. uh, you know pork, shrimp, 
you know, you know, just salt, pepper, um, a little cornstarch. Cornstarch is a big one too uh, in Chinese cooking. Uh, sesame oil and like you know, we were, we were just folding some dumplings uh, just for fun yesterday. Right. I think my ingredient would be Taiwanese cooking wine and white pepper. Like that makes Ooh, me think. Yeah, that yeah, makes everything yeah. taste very Taiwanese. I don't know why. Yeah, white just, pepper's a good one. Yeah, white pepper's a good one. And white pepper is like, like not a lot of people know about it. Like especially really? like not non-Chinese people, I'm saying. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, white pepper is um, up there for me too. <laughs> so, and I feel like oyster sauce is very Cantonese because I don't, my mom never used oyster sauce cooking. It is so Cantonese. It, yeah. it is definitely part of like the <laughs> Cantonese uh, cooking umbrella. Yeah, like, everything had everything oyster sauce. Good. Yeah, everything, yeah. everything tastes good. Um, so- how popular has your hot dog wrap scallion pancakes become? That was so fun to do. Um, it all came out as a, as a joke. We were at a bar and having hot dogs and like they had run out of hot dog buns. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, like this would actually be good with a scallion pancake because, <laughs> you know, you just get them from the freezer, you know, like the freezer section and you can, you can just put it on like a skillet and that's like your bun. My, my buddy, Tony, uh, that, that owns the, the Brooklyn Hot Dog Company, uh, we're always like geeking out about food and stuff like that. So, so he's like, let's, let's try to remake, let's remake that. <laughs> yeah. The hardest part was actually like figuring out like logistics, like how to like ship these things. But uh, once we got that song, like it, it, it actually, a lot of people were talking about it. And uh, just kind of, it, it's, you know, I, I, I take a term uh, from my friend, uh, Andrew, from the Boba guys, and that is uh, bridging cultures. And yes. um, that's just kind of bridging a very all-American product, uh, like the hot dog, with something very Asian, Taiwanese, how, mm-hmm. how, Shanghainese, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. or, or Chinese, yep. and kind of just marrying it two together. Uh, yeah. Similarly to having uh, a marrying dim sum as, as, as tapas. You know, it's, yes. it's something that's very natural for me uh, to to. to put together. Um, Wilson, where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you? I'm like pretty active on Instagram. My, my handle is dim sum NYC. Um, if it's like work stuff, um, our handle is uh, at Namwa, N-O-M-W-A-H. That's the, the name of the restaurant. I post like all random stuff from, <laughs> yeah, from like what I eat, what the kids are doing. To I, feel like you make your, I, I feel like you make your son do a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, this is exactly what we were talking about earlier. You know, it's about bringing it back. You know, like this is how I, you know, I have hashtag family contribution, you know, yeah. and like, you know, I, and honestly, like it's, it's worked. He's eight, Brian's eight years old and like he comes to the restaurant. He is eager to like help out. And like when we go in early, he's eager to like sweep up. He's eager to help like swipe the credit cards. He's eager to like help you know, pack, bring the, the, the takeout to, to the courier driver. He's like trying to take people's temperature now, like mm. when, when we're doing indoor dining. So it's super cute. I, I, I love it. It's a sense of it. accomplishment for him, I think. Yeah, and, and it, yeah. it reminds me as a, of, of myself as a kid, you know, going yeah. back to those like, you know, head down, work hard, mm. which I think has become a little lost. I don't want to be a complete like, oh, I hate my lineal. I, mean, I agree with you, but... <laughs> Also yeah, but I, right. I want to keep this like, you know, in a, in a positive light. Right. Sure, yeah. But I, I want, you know, I want him to like, he's the future, right. For me, like what, what else am I going to put my efforts in? Yeah. And I don't want him to grow up 
um, how like kids are today. And like, I, that didn't sound like great, but like, I literally don't want him to like, Oh, I'm hungry. Okay. Let me order, let me order pizza on my, on my cell phone. Uh, you know, I want him to like, I want him to like go look at at what we have in the kitchen Microwave it. make something. Yeah. Make something man. Like, and like I, if he needs to get somewhere, I don't want him to like, Oh, uh, I can, should I Uber there or should I take a lift? I, I want him to like, you know, ride a bike, yeah. take a bus, yeah. you know, or, or learn how to drive a car, you know? And like, you know, like we were going through a phase and like, I'm reading like, like, you know, like the, like the 20 to 20 year olds now, like how, how driver's licenses, um, the distribution of driver's license have mm. totally declined because like people are just taking Ubers. Oh man. And like, yeah. I hate that. Like part of me growing up as like a teenager was like, Oh, I need my driver's license. 16. The first day yeah. I get my driver's license. Same. And like, yeah. I want, I want to feel that freedom of like driving a car and like, you know, I had to save up and like beg my mom to buy me my first car. Like, mm. you know, part of it was my savings. Part of it was her just buying it for me. Yeah. But like, I want, I want Ryan and Lucy to have that, kind of feeling and not, oh, okay, I'm just going to Uber, you know, it's it's just different. Yeah. No, what I'm hearing you say is I think you want them to have the freedom to do Ubers and order food, but like to know that like the, the better way to save up and be more responsible is to make your own lunch and then have dinner with your friends sometimes. Like that's my philosophy. Yes. You understand me completely. (laughs) So as we wrap up, I want to thank you, Wilson, for your time and giving us a glimpse into Asian American history and and restaurant, um, the restaurant biz. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so much fun. You know, I I love talking about this stuff. Um, You know, it it it, I just I I guess I'm just at that age where um, I want to I want to help as many people as I can uh, just with my experience. So anyone that's looking to open a restaurant or they're they're about to start a family or they need any like kind of advice i'm happy please reach out uh you know how to find me and you might i'm get happy more to people responding than you expected they oh hey I you feel- know i'm 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 all about it you know okay, i'm all about cool. it yeah wonderful okay thank you so much thanks yeah it's a pleasure talking to you 